better than Adam, better than Abraham, better than Moses, David, and Mary. He's better than the angels, better than the demons, better than any prophet, priest, or saint. Jesus is better. And there will be times when it's hard to believe. Times when it doesn't feel Be reading like today. I've, I have thought that uh, we should go back to what was happening in the synagogues uh, in, the early, in the early days when uh, a scroll was open and they would read the scripture. They would read it, they would close the scripture and then wait perhaps for uh, some, some exposition or something, somebody to explain the scripture to them. But I think that sometimes just the reading of the scripture alone would be enough for us. Just the reading alone as the words wash over our hearts and our spirits. Uh, that sometimes is good enough for us. So we are continuing in the series um, that we have begun talking about uh, uh, the book of Hebrews and what the writer of the book of Hebrews has, has put down, which in essence is basically saying that Jesus is better. That Jesus is better. He's better than what we have seen in the past. He's better than Aaron, he's better than angels, he's better than Moses, he's better than any character and all the characters in the scripture in the Old Testament, he's better than them by far. Jesus is the supreme and he's better. Today as we read this uh, chapter, I want you to pay particular attention to two things because these two things are what we're going to be talking about today. Two things, you will meet one, the order of Melchizedek, number two, the order of Aaron. Those two things, as we read this, as we read the, the, the scripture, take a note of those two things because those are going to be the central theme of what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to read from the NIV, NIV, um, Hebrews chapter number seven, and kindly let us follow together. I'll read from actually, yes, uh, let's let's read from verse number one. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law re requires the descendants of Levi, who become priests, to collect a tenth from the people, that is, their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi. Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. Verse number 11. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, 
For on the basis of it, the law was given to the people. Why then was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have, or what we have said, is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears. One who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it was declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath, without any oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. And like the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. The sacrifice He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. The Lord bless his word. Every so often we need to be reading the word. In fact, uh, in so one, 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 shortly, one of these days, we're going to be announcing a time when we're going to be just reading the scripture. Uh, you know, as, as you just read the scripture like that, things happen. Things happen because the word is alive. Even as just the reading thereof, it comes alive. And let me tell you something about this, that uh, as we begin to read this, we realize that there is a plan that God has had from time immemorial, from when the creation of the world, before the creation of the world, he had known Christ Jesus, that there would be a need of priesthood and that there would be a need of two kinds of priesthood. These two kinds of priesthood he has written here is one, the order of Melchizedek and number two, the order of Aaron. 
or the Levitical priesthood. There are two of them. One comes before the other. Actually, the order of Melchizedek appears before the order of Aaron. It appears first, the order of Aaron comes next, and then we return again to the order of Melchizedek. Those of you who are Bible scholars, you will get to hear and you will see where I am going with this. But from the very onset, from the very foundations of the world, God had a plan of how he was going to bring the two priesthoods that would ultimately result in us coming into the place of promise. If you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter number 2 and verse 8 and 9, we find the story of creation. And in the book of Genesis, we have discovered that the entire gospel is found in the book of Genesis. You cannot understand the gospel until and unless you have understood the book of Genesis. Uh, those of you who have been coming to our hymn service, uh, the, our hymn service uh, in the evening, Sunday evening, or first week of Sunday evening, uh, you have heard at least the first tranche of talking about the book of Genesis. It's a fantastic book, fantastic book. But Genesis chapter number 2, verse 8 and 9, the Lord planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man he had formed. Verse number 9, out of the ground, the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's two trees that uh, are highlighted here, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I tell you that the gospel has been seemingly hidden there in the scriptures because I want to suggest to you today that the tree of life is symbolic of the priesthood, which is the order of Melchizedek. The tree of life. Why do I say that? Because the tree of life is symbolic of life. And the Bible tells us that if, if at all anybody would take from that tree, they would have life and they would continue in life. Life would flow. The Bible says that God cut it off so that men who had sinned would not come and eat that fruit and live forever. They had, it has the capacity to give life and life eternal. I hear the sound of the name of Jesus in that tree of life. The order of Melchizedek, as we have read here in Hebrews chapter number 7 and verse number 16, is based on the power of of an indestructible life. Verse number 16 says, One who has become a priest, not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. I want to suggest to you that the tree of life is symbolic of the order of Melchizedek. That Melchizedek, the order, that priesthood, takes and is based on the power of an indestructible life. Secondly, it is also based, this that is called the order of Melchizedek, is based on an oath, an oath that God made regarding his son. God made an oath in, in Psalm 110 and verse number 4. And he says that you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He was speaking about his son, Jesus, who would come. And, and, and it's prophetic. He's speaking and saying in the future, you are going to become a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So the tree of life is symbolic of this, that is the order 
of Melchizedek. The second tree, which is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil, is symbolic of the order of Aaron. The order of Aaron is inferior to the order of Melchizedek. Why is it inferior? Because the order of Aaron is based on law. Just like the tree of good and evil is law in itself. Law, what does law deal with? It deals with right and wrong. That's what law deals with. Law by and of itself is unable to give life. If you went to a law court, if you are dying of some disease and you went to a magistrate or to a judge and said, judge, I am dying, all he can say is that you are right or wrong. He cannot give you anything beyond that. That's what this, that is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It just judges between right and wrong. But you know, the law actually also kills. We know that those who partook of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, that is Adam and Eve, the Bible says that as soon as they bit it, death was in their system. It leads to death. Second Corinthians chapter number 3 Verse 4 and 6, 2 Corinthians, it says this, that such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who has made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The law, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. Listen, the order of Aaron is based on law. And yet the law tells us, my Bible tells me in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 19, which we read, it says that the law made nothing perfect. In fact, the law was weak. It was weak. It was set aside in verse number 18. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. In spite of there being the order of Aaron, it made nothing perfect. It was weak, which is why there was another priesthood that was required. Another priesthood, because this one of the law, this one of Aaron, could not make, give men life. It could not make men perfect. It just showed you how weak and how hopeless you are and that you needed help. That's what the law was there for. Why the law? Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 19. It was, why was it added? It was added because of transgressions. It was ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. So basically, in verse number 23, it goes on to say of Galatians 3, verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Kept for the faith which would come, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Please understand this. That the law was given for us. That we may understand because we are people of sin. 
we would understand that we were in need of a savior because the law cannot give us life. It was brought to us that we may understand that we need somebody else. We need a greater one. We need a better priesthood. And therefore, it was given to us. And it was brought to us so that we can come to a place of faith in Jesus. The law was to lead us to Jesus. The order, according to Aaron, the order of Aaron was to lead us to Jesus. Where we may now be justified by faith. We may be justified by faith. Because in fact it tells us in, in verse number 25 that when faith has come, now we no longer need the law. Because Christ is the fulfillment of the law. I don't know if you're hearing me. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. And therefore we don't need to look at the old again. We need just to fix our focus on Christ. This year, we had said that we were starting uh, this year uh, with this promise that God would perfect our faith. And that perfecting of faith is based on what? On fixing our focus on Jesus. If you're able to fix your focus on him, then you will be able to perfect your faith and you'll be able to come into this place where the old covenant no longer matters. It is this new one, this place of faith that God has brought us into. John chapter 1 and verse number 17 says, The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given. It was uh, given to everyone. It was given. It is not even personal. It was given. But grace and truth came personally through Jesus Christ. There is a difference, which this is why this, that this new priesthood, this one that is the order of Melchizedek, is superior to the old order. I am making all this fuss about these things because at some point in, in, in this message, we're going to go back and look at the, at the practical aspects and why some of us keep falling back to the law. Because we seem to find some, I don't know what it is that we find in the law. We find some, 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 something in, 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 in abiding by some rules and regulations that have been put in the past. But God is saying, listen, there is a greater priesthood. There is a greater thing. There is a better one now in this one that is called the order of Melchizedek than the one that you want to go back to. And he has been telling, the, the, the writer of Hebrews has been telling the Jews, don't go back. Don't go back to the things that were there in the olden days. Don't go back to the old covenant. Jesus is better because he is the fulfillment of everything that has been. Hear me well because it's soon, I will, we will soon be unveiling exactly what it was. You see, many a time people have said that Jesus came to abolish the law. But he didn't actually come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17 and 18 says, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but instead to fulfill it. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the stroke of the law shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. He did not come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. He came that everything that the law demanded 
Jesus Christ would offer it. Everything that we could not do in the law, Jesus Christ would offer it. And he came by grace and truth. Literally, this message is a message of grace. It's a message of grace. The book of Hebrews, it captures and it accentuates that Jesus is in in fact superior. He is better. There is a dimension in Jesus that cannot be obtained in the law. You cannot and we cannot get it until and unless we come in by faith. Hebrews chapter number 7 verse number 1 says this, and here we find this interesting man. We have talked about the order of Melchizedek. It comes from this man that is called Melchizedek, an interesting name. We find uh, uh, an an interesting guy here, and, and, and he met the patriarch, the one who held the promise, to whom the promise was given, Abraham. He met him coming from war, having defeated four kings. Uh, these four kings had ganged up and there was, there was a battle in Genesis chapter number 14. Four kings against five kings. And they all combined forces and they were fighting one another. The five kings had the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king, and there were other kings there. And these other kings defeated the king of Sodom and the kings of Gomorrah. And they took everyone, including Abraham's nephew Lot. And they took them away. And when Abraham got wind of this, he heard from where he was. And he said, hey, we need to go and, and rescue the people who have been taken. There were four kings who had gathered together. You can imagine the numbers of, 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 of ar- the army numbers. There were many. But he, I think with 315, he went and he overtook and he defeated these people. And he came back. When he was coming back, the Bible records that out of nowhere, this fellow called Melchizedek appears. And in Genesis chapter number 14, in verse number 18, he says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God most high, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God. Most High, Possessor of Heaven and Earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of all. This is very strange. It is very strange happening that somebody would just come. This is our patriarch, the one who has the blessing, the one who God said, I will bless you. I will make you a blessing. I will, you will be the blessing so that the entire world, you know, he, has, he was carrying the entire blessing, this man called Abraham. But Abraham meets Melchizedek, and then there's a strange happening there. This Melchizedek comes, and he comes with bread and with wine. As we go further, we, we begin to understand what and who this Melchizedek is. Because verse number two says, and Abraham gave a tenth of everything. First, his name. First, his name means king of righteousness. And then also, king of Salem or king of, or, of peace. First, he is a king of righteousness. You cannot have peace until and unless you have righteousness. This is what is, 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 is coming across from my, from my reading of the scripture. 
This Melchizedek is a king of righteousness. He is a king of peace. These are titles that are Godward titles. It's not, this is not any ordinary man. He is a king of righteousness. He is a king of righteousness. Number two, he is a king of peace. When you talk about righteousness, none can come unto the Lord. None can come before him. Because he has actually, you have to, you have to come into Christ so that you can come to God. When you come into Christ, he becomes your righteousness. And therefore now you can come to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, 20, 21 says uh, that he has become our righteousness. And therefore now we can come into God. This Melchizedek is a king of righteousness. It means really that he is God. He is a prince. He is a king of, of peace. Peace in, 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 in Hebrew is shalom. And shalom means completeness. It means wholeness. It means health. It means prosperity. It means rest. We had uh, Pastor uh, Pish t- telling us about rest. It means rest. It means uh, uh, harmony. All of these things. You cannot get rest. You can't get harmony. You can't get wholeness. You can't get completeness until and unless you come in through the king of righteousness. The world and people in the world are looking for these things and they can't find them. This Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace, He's without genealogy, not because there was a lack of records or people did not know who his mother and father was. No, he just didn't have ancestors. He just appeared. Have you ever seen a person who just appears? The Bible records that he was without beginning of days and even or end of life. This Melchizedek. This is a God quality. In fact, The scripture goes on to say in verse number 4 that he is greater than Abraham, the one who held the promise. He is greater than the one who held the promise. Hey, he blessed Abraham. And the Bible says that the lesser is is blessed by the greater. That is Hebrews chapter 7 verse 6. The lesser is blessed by the greater. So this Melchizedek is the pre incarnate Christ. He is Christ pre-incarnate. Before Jesus left heaven and came and occupied a human body and became Jesus the Christ, this is a pre-incarnate vision of Christ. This one that is called Melchizedek. I tell you that the priestly order of Aaron actually was brought about so that we can come to a place of faith in Christ that may then usher in this one that is called the order of Melchizedek. The order of Aaron is below the order of Melchizedek. And these are the things that we are trying to speak out to you today. We are trying to say that there is a place in God that we need to come to and we need to begin to understand that we have come into a bigger and a broader place in this that is called the order of Melchizedek. We have come into a broader place. We have come into a better thing. We have come into something beyond our wildest imagination and dream. But interestingly, we still think that we need to hold on to some of the old things. Some of the old things. Why do I say this? It's because the Bible here in chapter number 7 has talked a large degree about tithing. How many have issues with tithing? Ooh. 
The tithing has been spoken about here. And I have heard many a people, in fact, there has been debate the world over about tithing. People have said this, is, this, this should not happen. It is the law. You have questions in your own mind. Should I tithe from the gross or from the net? We have been told that we are robbing God if you do not tithe. There is a tremendous silence in this house today. Have you robbed God? Anyone here ever robbed God? We normally quote Malachi chapter number 3 and verse number 10 thereabouts. It says that if you don't pay your tithe, hey, you are robbing God. You are meant to bring in that tithe so that the house of God has what? Food. And there's many men Many, many men who have, uh, have preached this, this gospel for their purposes. And we understand their purposes. But the order of Melchizedek is different. Why is it different? Because when you look at what Melchizedek did in, in, in Genesis chapter number 14, the first thing when Abraham met Melchizedek, Melchizedek came with bread and with wine. And he was saying, listen, it is about covenant. This is about the covenant of God. It is about the same thing that we did today. When we took bread and we broke it and we we're saying, we remember what you did on the cross. We remember as often as you do this, remember me. And basically what the, the order of Melchizedek was saying is that as soon as you come in to your high priest, he doesn't, he's, not, he's not doing anything more than just giving you bread and, and wine and telling you, I remember the covenant that I have with Jesus. That covenant is good enough for you. I remember it. Come. And as you're coming in, the next thing that he does, he blesses Abraham. Abraham doesn't have to do anything. He is blessed instantly. The Bible tells me that he blessed him. The blessing is given because of the covenant, because of what Christ did. Not because of any performance that you have done. In the old covenant, it was you must perform. You must do some certain things to get the blessing. You must keep the law. If you did not keep those 615 commandments, you were unclean. You could not approach the holy place. You couldn't, you couldn't have access to God. But now, in, the, in this new one, the, the order of Melchizedek, it doesn't require anything. In fact, as you come in, Bread and wine is being given to you and saying, hey, come and enjoy this covenant. And as you are enjoying this covenant, what is happening? You are being blessed. The blessing is now not because of anything that you have done, but because of what he has done. In this, I don't know, I don't know how many of you want to be in the order of Melchizedek. I want to be blessed, not because of anything else, but because of what Christ has done. And then later on, we find that then Abraham gives a tenth. Freely. Not because he was told, if you don't give 10%, you are going to die. You are stealing from the Lord. No. He gave 10% because he was pleased by what blessing he had received. He gave a tenth because of the blessing that he was coming into, which was released because of the covenant in Christ Jesus. Listen. 
Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 and 7 re- relates this to us very clearly. It says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, in the Old Testament, you pay your tithe. In the Old Covenant, you must pay your tithe. If you don't pay it, by the way, there's a difference between paying and giving. If you don't pay your tithe, you're going to be cursed. But in this new order of Melchizedek, you give and you give cheerfully, without compulsion. Because of who God is to you. Sometimes you may feel that God has blessed you so much that you give him everything. It is no longer the law. You know, there's a law. There's a law. You're thinking, "Ah, me, I need to just get to my 10%. Once I've got to my 10%, I'm fine. In this new order, it is not about 10%. There is a new, higher dimension that the order of Melchizedek brings to us. And this order and this dimension is here. It is said, (laughs) he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. It is by your faith. It is by your faith. Too many times we have had these issues of, 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 of the crisis, of, of tithing, and people are wondering, oh, you, you, leave the, you leave church wondering, hey, am I cursed? Should I not go to church now anymore? Because whenever God is looking at me saying, I will curse you if you don't give me that 10%, I will curse. No. That is not the New Testament. That is not the the, the New Covenant. The New Covenant is you give because he has blessed you. You give because you are so fortunate. You are feeling so good and happy. Listen, the promises of God are interesting. Some of them I will just highlight. Some of the things that we have have thought were wonderful promises from the Old Covenant. Have you ever prayed Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10? I am showing you a higher place. I am showing you a higher dimension, which is in the, in, in, according to the order of Melchizedek. There's a higher thing. Have you ever prayed Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10? Have you ever confessed it? God, won't you open the windows of heaven? Oh, God, you will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Have you, you, have, you have confessed it. Hallelujah. Anyone here who has confessed it? Anyone else who has prayed that prayer? And you have said, hallelujah, hey, me, I'm, in, I'm with God. Listen, whenever you see window and you are being given something out of a window, it means that you are outside the house. Am I right? You are not inside. You are outside. And therefore, when God is saying, I will pour out this blessing for you who is on the outside, that is an old covenant. That's a blessing of the old covenant. The new covenant, he says, listen, I am the door. John chapter 10 and verse number 9. I am the door. When you come in to me, you will come in and you will enjoy things. In fact, it is access that God is giving us in the New Testament, in the new covenant. With the window, you are outside. And we were rejoicing and doing hand flips and doing whatever it is because we were being blessed from the window. Now you have access to to enter the door and to say, Jesus, I am here. Praise the name of Jesus. You have access in the new order of of Melchizedek. You you no longer are being given from the window. Number two, 
there is a capacity problem. If you look at, uh, at uh, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, he says, I will pour out a blessing that you will not even have room enough. You know that version? You will have no room, not enough room to keep that, 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 that blessing. But I see another thing that works in this order of Melchizedek. Second Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse number 8. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. That you may now not lack capacity in the new covenant, this one under Melchizedek, you have no issues of capacity. You will have all that you need all of the time for everything that you need to have it and it flows in abundance. This is the, the, the promise that comes in the new covenant that you're under as Mel, this, this one is called the order of Melchizedek. In this new covenant there is a thing called the presence the presence. How many need the presence of God? You need the presence of God? The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 8 that in that case mortal men receive tithes. In which case, the old covenant. Mortal men receive tithes. Er, Levi would receive tithes. Aaron would receive tithes. They would go and eat it somewhere. They, in that old case. But in this new one, the new order of Melchizedek. Who receives it? It is he who lives forever. It is he who lives forever. It is Jesus who receives tithes. You're looking at me interestingly. Listen. What the Bible is saying in this new order of Melchizedek. It is no longer Pastor David, Pastor Pish, Pastor whoever not, Pastor Dennis. It is not those people who are taking your tithes. No. It is God directly. Do you know how that is beneficial for you? It is that your tithe cannot be misplaced. If God receives it directly, it means that you will receive everything that is due to you, irrespective of who receives it here in this earthly realm. Because in the spiritual realm, it is received by God. When you come and you pay your tithe, you come and you give your offering, it is received by God in person. In this realm, it says, in that case, the one who receives them is the one who lives forever. It means that every time that you have a service, every time that you have opportunity to give unto the Lord, as you give, the Lord is present. Did you ever see this, the story when Jesus was standing and watching as people were giving? I want to assure you that that is happening now in this new covenant. That he's watching everything that you do. Whatever you bring. You may bring the two million and put them in there. But he's looking and saying, ha, ah, okay. That one may be 0.1%. There's another one who comes with his 200 bob. And he has given 40%. And God says, hey, this one. Something is going to happen here. Praise the name of Jesus. The third thing is the fourth thing. Eh? Are we on the fourth or the fifth? The fourth thing. Glory. Glory. <laughs> glory. When I talk about glory, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7 to 9, it says, if the ministry of death in letters, 
the ministry of death, engraved on stones, came with glory. So that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was. How will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? How will it happen? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, how much more then does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory? Listen, there is a ministry of righteousness that God has unveiled that is available to you and to me under the order of Melchizedek. We no longer need to go back to the law. No longer need to go back thinking, have I met this, this, this and the other standard? Christ has paid it all. He has met it all. You no longer have to be under condemnation anymore. You are free. The Bible says, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Come and give an offering unto the Lord. Bless him. Why? Because he is worthy. In the order of Melchizedek, people bless the king of glory. Under the order of Melchizedek, you are not anymore uh, uh, being mean and and, and thinking, oh, I I don't have enough. It is the Lord who has enough and is able to bless you. I hope that today our mind is changing away from the things that we have been holding on to in the past. When you come to church, you're thinking, oh, have I done? Have I, have I, have I? It is not have I, have I, have I. He has done it. All you have to do is come in and receive. And as you receive of the Lord, ah, bless his name again in the name of Jesus. This is why men were running, jumping over each other to come into this thing that is called the way of salvation. Because this was what was being taught in the New Testament. This was what Paul and company were saying. You don't know, you don't need to work anymore for yourself. You just need to believe in the Lord. Come in and receive bread and wine. Come in and eat that which the Lord has given to you and he has prepared for you. There's a table that is set for you. Come in and receive it. And as you receive it, then honor him with what you have. He's the king of kings and the Lord.